Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North. Kyle and Sam here. And uh, again, a disappointing loss. I, I Maybe I'll start with this question, Kyle, because I was thinking about this just as I was watching the game. And again, 0-3 is not where anyone wanted to be uh, for this Vikings mm-hmm. team. And this one felt, I think, a little bit different. And I, I this is my, I'll, I'll throw this out there and, and you can say if it rings true for you as well. It feels like this was the most painful loss because of how the game went and how many opportunities it felt like there were for things to be different and for the Vikings to have a different outcome. Yeah, I mean, maybe so in a lot of ways, especially since, I mean, it isn't officially the death knell of a season, but it's pretty darn close. And it's kind of that reminder that you can't win Super Bowl in September, but you sure can lose it, which everyone's probably tired of hearing by this point. Um, But I mean, like Tampa Bay, you might have been able to chalk it up to, hey, week one, stars didn't play in the preseason. Man, that was ugly. What a fluke. Thursday night football, Lincoln Financial Field. Eagles, obviously, you're way better than the Vikings. And you kind of think, you know, you still have those same issues, you know, when it comes to turnovers. But maybe you can make your peace with it a little better because, honestly, you're just getting beat by a superior opponent. And sometimes in life, in football, you just get beat by a better team. And that's how it goes. This one here, the Chargers, you know, really, really poor. I mean, you think their final touchdown went through a Caleb Evans' hands into their receiver's hands to score that touchdown. You know, the Vikings were goal to go twice in the fourth quarter. And once they uh, had the turnover on downs, didn't score. And then... Uh, they, they, for some reason, didn't clock the football, decided to go hurry up, and then Kirk Cousins threw the interception, which, frankly, I don't think the interception was necessarily his fault. I mean, he was trying to – he threw that fastball, and he was trying to fit it into Hawkinson. I actually think his ball placement was perfect. I just hate how rushed that play was, and then Hawkinson ideally can secure that football. But things were just far too chaotic. Pre-snap to – uh for that to have been a success. And so in a lot of ways, this was, I think you're right, the most disappointing loss. Josh Fry, who's the managing editor of PTSD, he has written uh, since 2000, only one team has began 0-3 and then gone on to get into the playoffs. And that was Houston. And so this is not, you know, mathematically at least, this is not, at 100% the season's lost. But if you look at history, history suggests that this is a hole that's going to be very, very difficult to climb out of. If you wanted to be optimistic, maybe you keep in mind, you know, one, you have a 17-game season now, and therefore that gives you an extra week to, you know, get another win. Uh, Two, the NFC North isn't that formidable. You know, I know that right now the Vikings are in last place in the North, you know, tied with the Bears at 0-3. But I really don't think the Lions or the Packers scare too many people. Even even if one of those teams ends up winning the North at 10-7 and or something like that, I don't think the expectation is that, you know, the Lombardi Trophy is going to live in the NFC North for the offseason. I think the expectation is that there's going to be a different team out there to win it all. 
And so possible, maybe, that the Vikings can still get to 9-8, and eight, get to 10-7, and seven, steal away their division. They have all their divisional games upcoming. But, oh, boy, this was a doozy. This was a it, doozy. It was, and maybe let's talk about the game because I want to talk about big picture maybe at the end, but we'll, let's, we'll start with the sure. game. And I think you mentioned a couple of plays, like you mentioned the not clocking it, the the decision there, like oh, that, that one horrible feels painful. And I think you, you kind of alluded to it and that it felt like cousins was rushed. Uh, that, that play okay. felt like, you know what, Hey, you know what? The clock's running down. We got to uh, get this off. And again, if they score there, it's like, well, you know what? That was great. We're giving the the Chargers back the ball with seven seconds left. Uh, yeah. There's, there's yeah. no time. So, like again, you can argue maybe for the rationale there, but it just felt like, especially with how the game yeah. was going, you want to give yourself several chances, and you also just want to be able to be settled, uh, even if you clock it 100%. at twenty five seconds. Like you, you don't. It's not like you have 100%. to run up. Uh, it's not yeah. twenty seconds. Wh- whatever it might be. But it just felt like at the point that they did it, it was like, well, okay, like we got to get going here, and and then you throw yep. for the pick. So there's some decision making there. There's also there was several dropped balls that that happened. You also even talk about the the Evans. Mm-hmm. It like it it like, it wasn't even that it went through his hands. It went through his hands and then bounced off his helmet and then into the receiver's hands. Like it just it was one of those games and i think that's why i'm saying it felt like the most frustrating in that there was just so many opportunities where things could have been different Um, and keep in mind as well sam i mean the refs i think kind of helped the vikings that game there were some pretty questionable ref calls that favored minnesota uh and likely shouldn't have and i'm thinking in particular of that alexander madison forward progress i think that's a fumble 99 times out of 100 and the one time that it wasn't a fumble it helped minnesota quite a bit i'm also thinking now this is a referee decision brandon staley head coach of the chargers basically trying to hand away the game you know what i mean goes for it on that fourth down the vikings defense steps up jonathan bullard dude steps up gets that swim move going again gets the gets the tackle uh tremendous stuff from the Vikings defense, unbelievably stupid decision from the Chargers. And uh there you like there you were. You're you're starting on like the 24, 25 yard line. Time is no longer an issue if you're the Vikings who have no timeouts, you're really not worried about time. But as you're saying, you know, just far too rushed, and time became an issue because they decided against blocking the football. And that just strikes me as one of those moments where you're trying to be so smart become incredibly stupid like you're trying to and after the game of course kevin o'connell had to answer a lot of questions about this of why didn't you clock the football and uh well you know apparently you know, the crowd noise was an issue the Vikings just got that first down and there's some crackling in the headset and you know by design you know we should be able to get to that play and have that that first play you know more or less within the same you know amount of time coming off the clock as if we had you know, just just spike the football into the ground, which of course is not at all what happens. And so really just kind of lame, stupid, poor excuses for what was a really lame, poor, stupid mistake in a critical moment. This is your moment, dude. 
You know, you got the ball in your hand. You're an offensive coach. This is your offense. You got Kirk Cousins, the veteran. You got Justin Jefferson, your best player. You know, he's out there, right? And you just got, you know, Hawkinson. You just extended that large contract. Um, you know, this is basically where you want to be. And this was your bread and butter last year. And it just was one of those moments where the Vikings, I think, really outthought themselves. And simplicity is best. Clock that football. If you got 20, 25 seconds left, that is plenty of time to get three plays off and potentially score the game win touchdown. Keep your season alive. Because if you're a one and two right now, Sam, next week you're going to Carolina, right? And you're going to be favored against Carolina because it's freaking Carolina. And so you could potentially be two and two, right? Which is not a horrible place to be. You know what I mean? Two and two is not that bad, right? Uh, oh, and three. Holy jumpings. So this was really, 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 really poor. And it kind of, yeah, we focus on the turnovers because that's a big deal. It is. It's a huge deal. But kind of more broadly, just like a comedy of errors, just, just you know, of, of not getting a turnover, you know, when the ball goes through your hands, if you're a Caleb Evans, um, you know, not just doing the simple things, spiking the football, giving yourself three plays, you know, from right in front of the end zone, right? And boys, if you can't pull it off there, then I guess you can't pull it off, right? Uh, the whole idea with the competitive rebuild, this offense is going to keep us competitive. The defense is rebuilding. And the defense in that critical moment in the fourth did their part. Now, I know they got shredded. Herbert friggin' whew. And then Keenan Allen, talk about yowzers. You know what I mean? He was just, it was unbelievable what he was able to do against them. Uh, but yikes, that was a poor, poor moment from the Vikings. And it's hard not to be critical of the head coach, play caller, veteran QB, clock the football. Clock the football. It, um, I, you said, and I, I think I coming into today, I was like, how do we put a positive spin on this? That's right. Yeah. And get the glass half full there. Yeah. And it's just, I think like, it's just, there's multiple ways to look at it, but I, you, you talk about it like right now, the story of the season, whether you want to define it as turnovers, there, there certainly is that, but it just, it feels like, each week there are multiple times where this team is shooting themselves in the foot uh, 100%. just by that. And it's discouraging because it's like, if you, if things went differently, almost certainly there would be a different outcome that this team is not Owen three. Uh, if you cut those mistakes in half, it's not, not yeah, to say that they're not true. there, but cut them in half. Yeah. Uh, this team yeah. could, could be two and one. Uh, probably. Yeah. Probably pretty, two and one. Conceivably. And so, I, I struggle because in some ways I'm like, well, you know what, if that changes, then you know what, this team's great, but it's like the see the football season is so short and each game matters so much that you can't afford to make those mistakes. You can't like, it, it's not like, again, it's like, well, it's in some ways it's an easy fix. Um, but in some ways it's also like, yeah, but who these opportunities don't present themselves all the time. Uh, and we yep, knew it was going exactly. to be a hard start to the season. Like you said, you know what, two and two. I think if you looked at the the start of this the the year and you're like, you know what, pretty conceivably, you'd feel okay about it being two and two. And and if they go one and three, it's like that's only one game difference. But at the end of the day, uh, 
those games matter. And I think at the, the maybe maybe the glass half full approach is that when it comes down to the end of the season, it's not just going to be one game that you look at the calendar and you're like, well, if we only done that, because so far all of these games uh, to yep. different degrees and different extents have been those where it's like, yeah, you know what? We uh, didn't, didn't finish the job on that one. Turn back the clock to 2020, right? Which, I mean, we're going through COVID at this point. Uh, you know, th- th- the world's very, very different. Uh, the Vikings, meanwhile, find themselves in a very similar position insofar as they come into the year with some decent expectations and begin their year 0-3. And that third week, if you remember, Sam, that was Justin Jefferson's coming out party. That's where Justin Jefferson exploded for the first time, and fans are really saying to themselves, okay, we've got someone here. And maybe the Vikings themselves are saying, okay, we've got someone here. But they end up losing that game. Really, they didn't have any business losing it. But they end up losing to the Titans 31-30, to right? Drops them to own three. And of course, that you know, they kind of just move through purgatory the rest of that year. And the real the real concern, I think, for a lot of Vikings fans is that, you know, in reality, are the Vikings an own three team? I mean, yeah, they are in the most literal sense, but I mean, are they really as bad as the Bears or the Raiders or the Panthers? You know, these other own three teams in the NFL right now. I mean, the record says they are, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. But there's just no way this team is the worst team in the league. You know, similar in the sense of not not as bad, but similar sense. You know, the Bengals are own two. Bengals aren't own two. You know, they're not that bad, right? It's a little more pronounced there because Cincinnati is further along than Minnesota. But I think the concern, really, for a lot of Vikings fans, is that zero three is going to morph into seven and ten or eight and nine, maybe nine and eight, right? And you know what I mean? You don't you kind of miss out on that elite elite talent that you might get towards the top of the draft um so i I don't know sam so some i think some vikings fans are looking at and saying you know just how good is caleb williams you know what i mean like you know should should the team just go two and 15 and hope to beat the packers twice or you know what what is this what should this season look like now well and it's funny you mentioned that because i was going to ask you like because again at what point do you start to think hey you know what that caleb williams would be a, a franchise <laughs> yeah, changer seems like he's talented like yeah. like and and it feels early and and i think if we're realistic here i think we we know that uh the vikings are going to go on a little bit of a run they're going to end up falling short like the the yeah. the most likely outcome at this point feels like a seven and ten uh yeah that's right finish and like that's that's not a great place to be I also, I guess this is where you you wonder, like you talked about, you know, do you squeak into the playoffs? And is that, or should that be the goal? And I guess this is a big, this is a big uh, question. I think depending on who you yeah. look at, like who you talk to uh, and who you ask, uh, you talked about the competitive rebuild and, and there is an understanding that this is not the final product. This is not the Vikings go for it season. Uh, mm-hmm. Although they've, they've made some trades and it are, uh, trade and signing and and so there is a sense and there's a signal that this season is not done but i do wonder especially given how the season has started and maybe it's we can only talk about ourselves and and where we're at but it does feel a little bit like should the expectations change or should the should the goal of the season 
change based on what you've seen so yeah. far. And I'm not saying that we should. I'm not saying that that's that's the right answer. I'm not even saying that's where we're at. But but I think because of the start, that's a fair question to ask. No, it is for sure, especially when you look at history. And what does history tell us about 0-3 teams? Oh, boy. Well, it tells us they don't often find very much success. Uh, and, you know, we look at the next three weeks, we got Panthers, Chiefs, Bears. And so the Vikings are going to be clearly favored in the Panthers and Bears game. Now, the Vikings have never really been bound by what they should or shouldn't do. You know, sometimes they surprise us, right? And so, boys, if they go to own four, Sam, and then you got the Chiefs coming up the next week. And let's not forget, week seven is a Monday nighter against the Niners. And I think we all know how that's going to go, don't we? So, and then of course, week eight is the Packers. And now we're kind of rolling into, now we're kind of rolling into, um, you know, kind of like a tougher kind of like middle section of the year. So it's not necessarily going to be easy kind of from here on out. Part of the beauty a little bit, and I think this is why, not that I can speak on behalf of Poisito for Mensa, I'm only just kind of making an educated guess here. But part of the beauty of the competitive rebuild, that intentionally kind of murky middle ground, is that it allows you to kind of emphasize, you can kind of move back and forth as the team tells you how to move back and forth. And so the team right now is telling us that they're not very good because they're 0-3 and wins are all that matters in the NFL, right? So last year they were telling us that they were pretty good, even though we kind of, you know, had some, maybe some doubts, but they were telling us that they were more competitive than they were rebuilding. And therefore, Quasi trades for TJ Hawkinson, which ends up being a nice move, right? And end up helping them that year. Even, you know, they didn't go anywhere, but it, it was a nice move overall. Uh, the competitive rebuild this year is telling us they're a little bit closer to that rebuild, right? And it's almost the direct inverse. You know what I mean? Right now, 4 and 13 feels a lot likelier than 13 and 4, doesn't it? Especially with how things have gone in terms of the one score games and yada, yada, yada. Right? So, I would wonder if, you know, if this team is one and four after five weeks, which at this stage looks like the likeliest outcome, given that you get the Panthers and the Chiefs coming up. Oh, dear. You know what I mean? One and four is bad. And if you lose the Panthers and you go to 0 and four, and then you're facing a reality of Chiefs, Niners, and then a divisional game, and a divisional game on the road at that, whoo, baby, you might really swing over into that rebuild portion. Now, that's a management perspective rather than a coaching perspective. Kevin O'Connell is quite consistent insofar as he thinks this team can compete. They're going to keep working, yada, yada, yada. What do you expect a coach to say? Of, of course, that's what a coach is going to say and do. Um, you know, this, where I'm, the, the real kind of Armageddon, you know, nuclear scenario for the Vikings is if all this losing leads to discontent within the team itself. And the team starts to pull itself apart a little bit. And we think of certain star players who maybe don't have those long-term deals who maybe don't want to stick around, right? And you can think of who that might be. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case. That, that's Armageddon. That's the worst-case scenario. Um, Hunter's going into a contract. He's in a contract year. Cousins in a contract year. Jefferson's in a, not a contract year. He's got 2024, but uh, doesn't have that extension. And, uh, oh boy, so we're, you know, we need to ensure that we're not uh, at a spot where the present day failure doesn't get 
basically to a point where it undermines future success, where we're not kind of, you know, losing some of these guys who could lead to success in 2024, 2025, and so on. Um, anything in there, Sam, that jumbled mess of a thought make any sense at all? Yeah, no, I, I think that that is, like you, you mentioned, I think if you look at the season as a whole, you know what, I think Vikings fans would say, you, you know what, go two and 15 or whatever like yeah like that's there but if it's uh go two and 15 and justin jefferson's like yeah like maybe i don't yeah. necessarily feel like signing here because i don't know what's the plan here what's going on and you see you have a kirk cousins like ah you know what i'd like to be competitive as i finish up my career and and neil hunter who uh again has really had a um a very very strong start to the season uh like that is the concern it, it, the the season is a just when you look at it uh independently it's like you know what whatever like tank nation let's go for it but <laughs> that's right uh, crash for but, Caleb, baby but yeah. but because you have those like when you look at a justin jefferson a cornerstone piece uh yeah. to this team it's yeah. You you actually uh, as much as you got a, a fifty three man roster like you so desperately need to make sure that the that things stay uh, in a spot where even if the season is bad he still has hope and says you know what I see what's happening here and I can see that this is worth sticking around for uh, exactly. and so however you want however exactly. you do that uh, you do that um, yes so I will say yeah I will say that is friggin crucial right, like vital absolutely right yeah i i will say this too like as a as a fan and we've talked about i like i've been a fan of teams uh even in other sports in toronto maple leafs where i've watched them go through an awful year and it pays off like we've seen an, an austin it matthews does. come come here that year <laughs> sucks it sucks. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't think either of us are sitting here saying, you know what? I'd really love to watch 17 weeks of well, 18 weeks of, of football yeah. where this team just absolutely sucks. Like it's yeah, it it really is disappointing as a as a fan. And unless you're a fan of a team that's like, you know what, we are so bad that we just we need to do this. And the Vikings mm-hmm. aren't in that tier. They're not, they're not uh in the Chicago Bears tier no. of of, no. of teams. Like they've They've got too much talent to be an 0 3 team. They have too much talent to be a, a 2 and 15, a 3 and 14 team. Um, yep. Again, there is a, a long term piece here where, you know, it might be nice to to really have a, a top 10 pick, top 8 pick, top 5 pick uh, in the draft. But I don't think either of us are hoping. We, we'd much rather this team be competitive, be in the season, draft really well whenever it comes time to draft uh yeah and, and go that route um so i i will say that i'm not i'm not cheering for a rebuild uh there is that's the only or uh, not a rebuild but a, a tank that's the yeah. third the the only positive to that is the hope of a future um stud star but that's uh it's a really poor crappy way to go as as a fan well so here here would be the final thought then sam for me at least the key word that you just said there was hope, right? Hope. And so if you're eight and nine, there's not a ton of hope in that, I think, for a lot of fans. Now we need to kind of add that caveat that where was Justin Jefferson picked? Where was Christian Derrissaw picked? 
Where was Jordan Addison picked? I mean, these guys weren't top five guys. And yet, if there was a redraft, now maybe not Addison because the you know the jury's still out on him. He looks promising, but we don't actually know what he'll become. Uh, should there be a redraft? Jefferson and Darius are top five picks, right? So you can get elite talent later on, even if you have that record that's not, you know what I mean? It doesn't tend to lead to those picks as in, you know, three and 14 or two and 15. So you can find those guys. It's just harder and more unlikely. Uh, but then the other thing I'll throw at you, the Vikings in many ways want to be the San Francisco 49ers. That's kind of, I think, the trajectory for this team and where they want to go. Um, I mean, Quasey got his start there. You think of Kevin O'Connell, maybe being, you know, somewhat similar to, uh, somewhat similar to Kyle Shanahan insofar as he's a young offensive mind head coach, play caller as well. 2018, the Niners finished four and 12. They picked Nick Bosa, the next draft. You know, how important is Nick Bosa to their team right now? So I know it's not one, one player. No, they picked Nick Bosa. Therefore, the Niners are who they are, and they're incredible. But man, inserting that player into the lineup makes a difference. Especially, especially when we remember that the second round pick for San Francisco was Debo Samuel. So, you know what I mean? So that top pick at the second round as well. So, and, and how important is Debo Samuel to what the 49ers are doing? And so basically to build off of Sam's point there, when he's talking about Austin Matthews, you live through those seasons, and it's not necessarily going to be that season for the Vikings. It might be. It might not be, right? But you live through those seasons, and part of the payoff is the chance of getting those amazing players. And right now, that first and second pick for San Francisco from following that 4-12 and season are two guys that are leading that team. And they don't even have that blue-chip stud Patrick Mahomes quarterback. They've got Brock Purdy. But there's enough talent on each side of the ball that they make it work. And the head coach is brilliant enough to make it work. So if you're the Vikings, I think in some ways, as of right now, just just right now, that that's where they're trending. Doesn't mean that's where they're going to get to. They're not going to soar as high necessarily. Doesn't mean really anything, right? But it's just something to basically keep tucked away in the back of your mind. That little bit of hope that maybe that Nick Bosa player is there. How, How important would an elite, elite pass rusher be? for this defensive front to partner with Daniel Hunter. You know what I mean? So that's kind of my final thought there. We'll, and we'll just see how the season plays out. But it's it's kind of worth keeping in mind because when you're 0-3 in the last place in the NFL, you start thinking about, oh boy, this team maybe isn't as good as some people hope. For sure. No, I made a lot of good points there. Uh, you don't want to be talking about the draft after week three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, can I, before we kick off then, can I actually ask you one question about that, Sam? Okay. Cause I, I'll, you asked a question that I've got, just I'll, I'll throw out a question that isn't meant to be answered, but, uh, yeah, okay. you go, you go first. Okay. Quick one for you. Now I put this out on Twitter. Got some answers. Do you have a favorite kind of catchy alliteration for Caleb Williams? Um, the Caleb catastrophe cash crash for Caleb, um, the Caleb cataclysm um do you do you have a favorite you know like think like suck for luck you know and this kind of thing these kind of funny pithy ways of saying you know we're going for this who we believe is a generational talent uh do you have a favorite one yeah i'm i'm a simple man i words are uh i I like to keep it short the you want to have something that's that's short so the crash for for caleb crash for caleb 
I think that does fit nicely in a hashtag too, especially to get the like the actual number four in there. Crash for Caleb. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think I think that's that's the one. All right. Um, All right. Good enough. I'll I'll say this just to to throw a last draft piece. The the one thing I think that is a big question for this team, which is impacted by draft position, is I think a lot of people would say that quarterback is potentially that first round pick for the Vikings uh, in this upcoming yep. draft. And potentially, that yeah. position matters a great deal. And again, for every Patrick Mahomes, you have a, a, a Zach Wilson, like there, like it's yeah. no guarantee. Yeah. Uh, but there is a lot of really good quarterbacks, similar to what we saw several years ago when uh, you had that really uh, stud quarterback draft class. Yeah. Uh, and you see the cost of moving up in a draft yep. uh, to to draft one of those guys. And so if you can just solidify that, um, yep. it's maybe something to think about. So uh, let's we'll wrap up there again. Yep. Uh, the Vikings, maybe they'll pull a, a Miami Dolphins and and just torch, uh, torch Carolina <laughs> and uh, Sorry, 70 seven. points. Um, That's right. I know yeah. uh, I, we, I, um, I'll say this. I saw uh, Kyle and I are in a, a fantasy football league and, and Kyle had the pleasure of playing someone who had Herbert oh, boy. and Keenan Allen and uh, yeah. Mozart yesterday. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> you got torched. Um, yeah. And, and so hopefully uh, the Justin Jeffersons of the world uh, will explode again. Again, you know what? He had 149 yards, so continues to be in a toward pace, but uh, hopefully it'd be really nice to just to uh, not that you want to absolutely dummy a team, but it would be nice to really uh, have a convincing win against uh, the Panthers coming up this week. So that's mm-hmm. it from us. Be sure to check out Vikings coverage, purpleptst.com, vikingsterritory.com. But we'll wrap up there. Be back next Monday to break down a guaranteed win uh, against <laughs> the the, uh, the Panthers. So have a great week, everyone. Take care. Bye.